He knows that the fire of the Holy Spirit is caught, not taught. Join us as Jason Craig discusses how men can lead young men to a deeper walk with God. Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Today we have with us Jason Craig, who's, we're going to talk about a new organization he has called Fraternus, where a, a men can help a younger men kind of catch fire for the Lord. I, I remember when I was younger, a long time ago, I was, I think what they call that, a tenderfoot in Boy Scouts. And one of the things I had to get, I think, to get past a ten, being a tenderfoot was to learn to tie a lot of different kind of knots. I, I don't even know all the different kinds of knots that I learned. I think there's bowline and square knots and half hitch and all kinds of knots, each for its own specific purpose. And I remember when I had my sailboat, uh, there was one kind of knot that was very, very important uh, because I usually sailed alone. It's just a little 27-foot Catalina off of Ventura Harbor there by the Channel Islands in uh, central California. There's one kind of knot that you uh, you lay a line out beyond your boat when you're sailing alone, and you just tie a, a knot at the end of this rope, and it's called the bitter end because what that's for is if you fall off your boat, you hope you can grab that rope and catch it before you get to that knot at the end, which is called the bitter end. Uh, so knots can be uh, can be very good. There's a lot of reasons that we have and can make use of knots. But sometimes there's things in our lives that just seem like one big mess. I mean, I know, for example, every time I go to pull my headpiece uh, for my iPhone, I, I love to listen to audio and audible books while I'm doing my beach walks. It seems like I spend about the first two or three minutes just untying that knot of that, of that, of that wire so I can plug it in and listen while I walk. But there's some things in life that are even more difficult to untie. And our Pope Francis had this beautiful uh, devotion to Mary. Uh, and there's one particular devotion called the Devotion to Mary, the Untire of Knots. Uh, you can look that up on the internet. And I have to tell you, I've been using that in my prayer life. And it's pretty dramatic what's happened when I've prayed that novena to uh, Mary, the Untire of Knots. There's some things in our lives that are just, we can't figure out. We're not smart enough to do it, and we can't do it. It's going to take God's intervention. And so I'm going to challenge you <clears throat> to use your rosary as a weapon. I know a lot of people. I know my grandmother. I, it seems to me she prayed the rosary almost without ceasing. I heard her always just murmuring under her breath, and she had this rosary. And I don't know how what she was praying or why she was praying, but I know for me, it wasn't until I... And I know the rosary for many people is used uh, for contemplative purposes. But for me... It's my weapon of choice. When you walk into my house, if you're an intruder and you walk into my house, the first thing you're going to see is my black belt, my second-degree ninja black belt hanging in the hallway. And over the top of that black belt is my warrior rosary. Uh, it's a special rosary that's very masculine. It's made out of heavy hematite and the same sort of metal that the chain mail is made out of that the knights used. In fact, you can get that rosary on our website, uh, deepadventure.com. 
Well, this is the weekend of the Renegade Rosary Run. Uh, this is a Saturday, which means uh, half of it is over. We've had uh, we've given people the option of doing their Renegade Rosary Run on Saturday or uh, on Sunday, and uh, and so maybe you haven't heard about it or maybe you haven't done it yet, but that still means you've got Sunday to be able to do it. And what the and you can go to our website deepadventure.com and find out more about it. What we're inviting you to do is to use your rosary like a weapon and ask Mary to untie any knots uh, or, or whatever intentions that you have. We're asking you to do a 5K. It's the Renegade Rosary Run 5K. We have one guy that's going to be hang gliding for 5K. I'm going to be doing a long stand-up paddle. Another group of people is snowmobiling into the woods for 5K, and they're going to build a, a bonfire and then pray the rosary together. Another person is hiking. Some people are walking or running or skating or skateboarding. So there's so many different things you can do. Grab a group of people or do it by yourself. But pray through the rosary uh, three times. Um, And go to our website and you can sign up and participate with us. We definitely want to see pictures of it when you're doing it. And you can also use it. We'll show you how you can. You can use it to raise funds for uh, our Crisis Pregnancy Center Fund. And uh, we can have a real impact. To me, the rosary is the most powerful intercessory prayer weapon that there is. We're going to have three specific prayer requests that we'd like for you to do as you pray through the rosary three times. You know, when when the rosary was originally given, there were three sets of mysteries. So if you prayed the first three Hail Marys at the beginning of the rosary and then did three laps around the rosary, that's 153 Hail Marys, arrows like uh, being pulled out of the quiver, being sent to heaven in prayer. Uh, And it's the same amount that Peter, when Jesus said, cast your net out on the other side of the boat, and Peter obeyed, he brought in 153 fish. So let's go fishing. This, this, uh, if you, if you've missed out on Saturday, you still have a chance to do it on Sunday. Let's go fishing. Uh, Join us on our Renegade Rosary Run and pray 153 Hail Marys. And let's have an impact. Let's change the world. So go to our website, deepadventure.com. You can buy the Renegade Rosary Run, um, the Warrior Rosary that we use. And you can also, we have some other really cool uh, um, Deep Adventure gear that we've got some T-shirts and some women's tank tops. And we're starting to add more things like that, too. And you can also buy my book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. Uh, which is a great book. It starts out talking about my son surfing 80-foot waves, uh, but it's really an invitation to go deeper with God. And you can also find out and pre-order my new book, which is coming out soon by Servant Books, called Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue, in which we, uh, of course, use adventurous stories to talk about um, the seven virtues. So please go to our website, deepadventure.com, and join us, uh, join us on our quest. To, to go deep with God. We're going to be right back with Jason Craig. He's going to talk to us about this new group that he's got started where men can encourage young men to become, become roaring lions for God. We'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. Weekdays on the EWTN Radio Network. EWTN Open Line is your source for reliable answers about the faith. On Monday, John Martinoni takes on questions about apologetics. Tuesdays about chastity and pro-life issues with Barbara McGuigan. Wednesdays, Father Mitch Pacwa has the gospel truth about the church and holy scripture. Father Larry Richards tackles questions about evangelization each Thursday. And on Friday, Colin Donovan provides answers on theological issues. EWTN Open Line, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. This is Bill 
Bill Snyder at patchworkheart.org. And when I'm not too busy tying my shoes, I listen to Bear Wozniak and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Uh, this is the show where we go deep. It's, uh, we consider ourselves the bold standard of radio, where we uh, challenge men and women to go deeper with God. And, we, and we, we pretty much know this is the best radio show in the history of mankind, the history of the universe, or any universe that's ever created by God, because of our incredible guests. And today, I'm kind of proud. I, I, I know I shouldn't be proud, but I'm kind of proud that I have the best cow milker that we've ever had on our radio show is going to join us as my co-adventure guide. Um, we, he's by far the best cow milker we have ever had. So this is huge. Call, call your uh, friends and family and tell them to listen in because we've got on our radio show today uh, Jason Craig, uh, the founder of Fraternus.net. Uh, Aloha, Jason. Hello, Bear. How are you? How is the cow milking going today? Uh, well, don't worry. I've I've already got it done, and uh, she gave us about two and a half gallons, so that was the normal morning milking time. It went great. So what you're saying is at some point in your life, you said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And he said, go buy a cow? You know what? That's an amazing summary. I don't even have to tell the story now. Yeah, that's about how it happened. Um, we were living in Denver, Colorado at the time, deep in the heart of the city, my wife and I, and I was holding my... Uh, second son, we now have three, and we might be pregnant with another one. We have five children all together now. And uh, she said, where do you want to be in five years? And I said, I want to be on a farm milking cows. And uh, so <laughs> anyway, two years later, we find ourselves in uh, back in our home state of North Carolina in the middle of nowhere. We just recently got a stoplight in our town. Oh, that's and, uh, amazing. We, we, yeah, we taught ourselves how to milk cows, and it was uh, quite an adventure itself. You know, I've actually had milk. Uh, I remember as a little kid being in, in, at a dairy farm, and there being a cat and me and a couple kids, and the farmer was milking the cow, and I was about, I think, think 10 feet away from him, and he squirted the milk right in my mouth. So I had about the freshest <laughs> milk that you can have. Hey, are you guys got you guys got chickens there too, or what? Yeah, we have chickens, pigs, cows, and uh, rabbits recently. We've added well, a rabbit. Well, now, uh, with the chickens, knowing that you have chickens, uh, I bet you're going to sleep earlier than you used to because they're going to wake you up at 4.30 in the morning, aren't they? What time are they waking you up? <laughs> uh, well, my children like to outdo the, ch- the chickens in, in uh, waking me up in the morning. But uh, so sometimes I go out and wake those roosters up. But, so, yeah, they, they keep us up. It's just the boys. you know. They're just loud and boisterous and uh, showy. The, the roosters? Yeah, the roosters. Yeah, like, like, the, all, the, like the, all males. The ladies are much calmer. Yeah, like, like all males. So seriously, what time are you waking up in the morning with the, with the roosters? Oh, it's once the sun just starts peeking up. So it depends on what time of year. Right now we're in a dark time, so it's a little bit later. Sometimes as late as six, but they usually start waking up somewhere around five, four thirty, maybe. If it's but in the summertime when the days are longer, it's much earlier. So let me get this straight: you have a master's degree in evangelization, and I believe in uh, catechesis. Or uh, and, and and so everyone out here that's interested in becoming getting a master's degree. In theology, be prepared to milk cows. Is that basic your your message of your? Is is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm not sure what I would recommend. But yeah, actually, I think having a, knowing where your food comes from and how milk comes out of a cow, I, there's something in that that you need to know so that you know when you enter the land of milk and honey, you have some sort of uh, understanding of what goes into that. 
Well, I, I, so are, are you, do you have anything else? I mean, like you're, you're raising pigs, uh, but you're not raising uh, beef. You're just raising, uh, you have, have a dairy cow, but you're raising basically chicken, rabbits. What are you doing with the rabbits? Are you eating those rabbits? Yes, yes. You have children. about five, yeah, rabbits breed like rabbits. Well, children yeah, need to close, close your ears, you, you know, to hide your children from this reality that, that Jason <laughs> Craig is eating the Easter bunny for lunch. <laughs> That's right. Yes, so, uh, my children have become accustomed to a sort. Of, I don't. I don't want to call it the gore, but the reality of life. The things die so that you can live. And, so they're not. Uh, they're not um, naming these, are they? Uh, you know what? We do name. <laughs> we have. <laughs> yeah, we cruel. we name our animals, and and people will come over and they'll say, "Well, where did uh you know Ralph the bullcat go? Oh, he's here. He's in the center. You're eating him right now. And so, what about? Are you guys growing any sort of? Are you are you, are you guys growing? Or, or, you know, organic your own vegetables and things like that too. Absolutely, really. I don't know permaculture, but it's homestead. If I was to describe to Catholic, it's trying to put Eden, where the land and the self is producing all sorts of foods. So we have you know nut trees and you know perennial crops we call them. We also grow you know your corn, and your squash, and beans and. Um, Different. Sometimes we grow some seeds for the animals, and uh, well, you know, yeah, it's just it's trying to continually make the land more abundant and fruitful, and also to for your family to to be more abundant and fruitful if they're eating healthy. You know, we every year we dedicate a couple shows. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if you know I'm a world champion surfer, and we do a lot of adventures and. Uh, you know, one of the things that we do here is we challenge uh, people, you know, in the full, their fullness of their faith includes your, your physical body. And I basically only eat range-fed uh, uh, beef uh, and, and grass-fed beef and range-fed uh, chickens, no hormones. I, if I shop at a regular supermarket, I'm only shopping on the outer edges. I never go through the middle where all the preservatives That's are right. safe. That's and right. so I think your message, you know, it's an important message. Not only are you... Teaching your kids that you know the reality of life, you know where a hamburger comes from or where you know an egg comes from, but actually you're you're they're, they're going to be much healthier. Um, are, now you're homesteading. Are you also homeschooling? Yes, we are homeschooling. So they have that. They're ha- they're having that uh, that full experience. You know uh, how far wh- how far out or are you from the nearest uh, major city there? Uh, I think I can get to Hendersonville, North Carolina, which is probably the biggest, is the the, the closest city. Um, I would say, I, although you know, maybe I don't think, it's probably uh, about 40, 45 minutes away, maybe an hour and a half to Charlotte. I don't think Hendersonville qualifies as a city because I haven't heard of it. Okay. That's well, all right. How about Asheville, North Carolina? Is about an hour. Oh, away. I love Asheville. So now you have running water. Do you have that kind of water where you have to run to go get it? Uh, well, <laughs> no, no. We have water comes right in the house. Uh, we do have a hand pump well right outside that we can use. Okay, uh, if, you know. So, however, you, so you guys are softies, basically. Then, okay. That's right. That's but what I, I'm saying. But, but I've asked you all this. So, so you stepped out of the box a long time ago, and you and you got a wife that like has that same attitude. Can we ask what her first name is? Sure, Katie is my so, beautiful wife. So Katie uh, obviously stepped out of the box just considering marrying you. Right, and Absolutely. that was pretty radical. Yeah. And then to go to the next level and say, "What do you want to be in five years?" And then you, and then you tell her, and then and you guys are there. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. so in, in, what I like about that is, you know, the Bible says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And I think so often uh, we think that means He's going to give us what we've been begging for or wanting at that moment. Really, what He does, He He first plants new and right desires in our heart, and then He 
guides us and nudges us and draws us and leads us uh, into that path for our life. Uh, but it, what I'd like to ask you is this kind of passion, um, this this um, this sort of this uh, for the new evangelization, as we like to call it. Uh, Reaching out to men and to young men, it kind of started for you, didn't it? As you, when you were a young man, how did you, how did you have your uh, your first encounter, uh, personal encounter with uh, God? Well, I, I have to preface with, um, I think some people, John Henry Newman, uh, blessed John Henry Newman, mentions this that there, for some reason, and some people have a special grace where they have an awareness of God uh, throughout their life, and and it's and it's and it's there. I think I, I've always had that. However, uh, you know, I very much grew up in a typical American situation of a divorced home, no church going, no catechesis. I, I could not have told you what the gospel was, although Jesus was kind of some sort of holy thing that, you know, been, it was in my heritage. Uh, but never went to church, nothing like that. And uh, eventually I started following very typical paths. You know, the devil is extremely cliché and his temptations, and uh, where he draws people that aren't close to God. So, you know, very typical things in high school that boys get into and uh, that are damaging uh, to your soul and your mind and your body. But um, eventually, one day, a man came up to me, and, um, you know, to be honest, I I hope this is humble. This is just acknowledging the truth. I had a ton of friends in high school, just a ton. I would be considered very popular. Um, But I was miserable and lonely on the inside, and I didn't understand why the world wasn't working for me. I was doing everything right in a way. Uh, but this man came up one day and just introduced me. I'll never forget the way he looked at me and how he was actually interested in me just completely. He just looked at me with eyes of love, I can say now, uh, and I had never been seen in that way. And he said to me, and he was introducing himself, and I was being a total jerk to him and just get away from me. He's an adult. I don't trust you. And, uh, and I said, get out of my way. I've got to go to my stepmother's birthday. And I saw this man about a month later, and he came up and he said, hello, Jason. He remembered my name. I don't remember his name. He remembered my name, and he asked me, how was your stepmom's birthday? Um, and to have talked to someone so briefly and rudely and to have them remember a detail and then to seem genuinely interested in me, it was a type of love, a form of love I had not encountered yet. Uh, and I, I say that's the beginning of my conversion, even though he didn't bring up the name Jesus, or he didn't bring up God. Uh, but it was later that this man continued to build a friendship with me over time. And eventually he led me to belief in Christ and, and to faith. And, and he was even in my wedding uh, years and years later. So it just it began with his genuine interest and love for me. Well, was it was that you mentioned to me uh, before we started the interview, uh, the, this great organization called Young Life? Was, right. it, was that it? Was that were you participating in that in some way through him or what? Yeah, Tell me he, about that. Yeah, it, it turns out he was a young life leader, and you know a lot of people have different opinions about young life because they're everywhere, and you have different encounters with something. But the core of young life is that essentially adults, uh, young adults primarily, but volunteer adults all the way up to grandfather's age, are intentionally building relationships with young people, and through those relationships, inviting them into a life of faith. Uh, so my wife and I. We both became Christian in, uh, through Young Life and through you know these friendships and even kind of with each other, our own friendship, her uh, and I. She's was... my high school sweetheart in a way. And, uh, we, and then we, after we left high school, we were both Young Life leaders uh, for a while. And it, it is a, it's a very large Protestant ministry, probably one of the most successful. They really invented youth ministry as we know it today. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I remember when I went to high school, I was raised in California, but I moved to Waco, Texas. And there was this thing called Young Life, and I went. It was like the most fun thing going on, but I had no idea what they were talking about when they started to talk about Jesus. But at some point, you must have uh, prayed and, and uh, done the St. Augustine thing and said, uh, you know, surrender all to, to Jesus. And uh, did you experience, uh, when, you, when you gave your life to him in that way, did you experience uh, his presence? Absolutely. And, oh, well, well, just share with us uh, for a moment. Maybe there's some people out there that haven't had this sort of personal encounter yet. Um, just tell us a moment about, the, uh, about that. Sure. I mean, I, I can tell you my own uh, experience as well. My wife's was very similar, but I, I, this, this man built this friendship with me, and I, and I knew that he was a Christian, and I knew his life was different because he was a Christian. But um, that was still something very outside of me. You know, it's still my encounter with him. But he, one day, he, one, one summer, he took me with him. We went to uh, a camp together, and... You know, there's a lot of camps out there, and there's a lot of talks that you can hear about Jesus and all that. But it was really first he, in a sense, prepared me, uh, and my own father, who's, who's to this day not a believer, but he is he's a very virtuous and loving man. These two men really prepared me uh, to know that it's fitting that a father loves his son. And I went to this camp, and, and they were walking us slowly through, essentially, the gospel. Uh, and now a lot of us grow up hearing that word, hearing gospel, and even me, I mean, I, I grew up in the South. We all knew Jesus came back for your sins. It was everywhere. It's on signs, it's on billboards, we're in the Bible Belt, it's everywhere. Yet it didn't really mean anything. It had no actual, actual it was just something I knew. And what, what they did at this camp was they explained the gospel, and they, I mean, to summarize, you were made for God. Your sin disrupts your ability to approach Him. And living in the sin is the cause of the misery and the burden you feel in your heart. And when he was saying these certain words, um, and again, I'm summarizing, you know, 15, 20 years later, my heart was burning because I knew it was truth. I knew that I, I was not, I, I, didn't, I hadn't experienced enough of the world to know that the world's promises of happiness were not working. So I were all miserable and, and hiked up on antidepressants. It's not working. And he said that hole in your heart that you cannot fill is what, for Jesus Christ, alone. And he is the one, and God is the one, who can fill you up and make you truly happy. But in, this is something uh, a lot of Catholics can learn, too, and this, the, that, that he began with, you have to turn away from your sin, ask forgiveness for it, and say yes to your Father in Heaven, and the gift of grace and giving you. And I remember he said that, and they send you out, and he sends me out under the stars, and I was in Colorado, and I was alone. And I hit the dirt, and it was very much like the Augustine experience in the garden of weeping over my sins and saying yes to God and knowing uh, deeply and truly uh, that he was present with me in that. Uh, well, you know, and in, the, it there. In, in that moment, uh, people who are listening that maybe haven't had this encounter, they go, well, gee, I wish I could kind of get that caught up and uh, become... Uh, tearful and repent and and ask God to 
come into my heart. But it's not like that. It's not emotionalism. What it is is, as you were there, uh, it, when you said your heart began to burn, that was the Holy Spirit uh, setting your heart on fire. You know, when you're, when you're being wooed by God, uh, you experience, he will draw you. He will do the work. Your job is to be open and to pursue him and to diligently seek him. But he will do this work. There will be this burning in your heart. Maybe, maybe some of you feel this right now. Um, maybe you feel like there's a hand that's reached in and just squeezing your heart. There's this tugging going on in your soul. And as St. Augustine said, we are made, I was made for you, O God, and my soul is restless until it rests in you, so there are some of you out there that maybe right now you're hearing what Jason is saying, and you're wondering how do you get to that that emotional place or that 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 moment uh, of encounter with God. It's not like that. You seek God. You go to God and you say, "Lord, um, forgive me for my sins. I've missed the mark, uh, and I want to surrender all my passions, all my desires, all my wants, all my agendas, all that I am." my hates, my hurts, my loves, my desires to you, God. I surrender all that I am to you. And Jesus, uh, God, this is, this is just like what St. Augustine said, just I surrender all to you. Be my Lord and be my Savior and really abandon yourself to him in, in, in words. And what you'll find is that the Lord will lead you along in that path of prayer. And the Lord will uh, begin to... Uh, to set your heart on fire in a way that you, you, you don't expect. It's not something that you you have to drum up or create. It's something that God does in you. But this is Bear Wozniak. We're going to come right back talk a little bit more about Jason's, uh, excuse me, um, Jason Craig's conversion to becoming Catholic, of all things, um, with Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We'll be right back. Aloha. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio with a warning. Do not tune into our show unless you're ready to step out of your comfort zone and into the danger zone of the adventure of God's will for your life. Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on your EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. What do all these have in common? A former agnostic, a fallen away Catholic, and a once upon a time Protestant. Find out next time on The Journey Home. Marcus Grodi invites pilgrims from all walks of life to share how they made it home to the Catholic Church. The Journey Home, only on EWTN. I'm Brian Patrick, and here at EWTN News Nightly, we're very much aware our world is changing rapidly. The news can be so troubling, but it helps to get it in the context of Catholic teaching. That's why I encourage you to watch EWTN News Nightly and to subscribe to the print edition of the National Catholic Register. Always faithful, in-depth coverage of crucial issues like religious freedom, the sanctity of all human life, traditional marriage, and Pope Francis, his travels, his powerful homilies, and great features like one of my favorites on St. Joseph, provider and protector. Subscribe to the print edition of the National Catholic Register and watch EWTN News Nightly, the perfect combination for faithful Catholics who want the news, who want the truth. For a free three-issue trial of the National Catholic Register, Go to EWTN.com and click on the banner for the register or call 800-421-3230 for your three free issues. On the next Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. We'll keep you closely connected to the faith with the latest from Rome, the front lines of the pro-life movement, and we'll also take a look at other crucial issues facing you and your family and our one holy Catholic and apostolic church. 
Catholic Connection, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com with Deep Virtue number 82. This is called The Best Perspectives Are From The Edge. My, my children were younger, my two youngest sons, Shane and Joshua. I was a ninja black belt, and I was training them to get their black belts, too. They were in high school, and some were in junior high school. And I would take them hiking at night. I used to hike every single night, uh, go out into the mountains behind my house in Southern California. You could be so alone up there so fast, not a light uh, shining anywhere. And we would go hiking at night, and we'd go up into the mountains, and uh, and we would do our ninja training up there because a lot of the ninja training is in the dark. Um, in fact, when you, if you're ever going to get in a fight, good chances it, may, it probably will be in the dark. And so we would hike there at nighttime. And we go way up on top of this one mountain. It's called Boney Ridge in Thousand Oaks, California. And when we would get up there, there's this kind of a flat rock, and we'd go through some of our, our um, fighting techniques. And then we'd sit on that rock and just look over um, Thousand Oaks and Ventura and over into the San Fernando Valley. And you had such a perspective. Uh, and it made you realize that you've got to step out of the box sometimes in your life and get a new perspective. I want to challenge you to get away someplace into nature this week. Get away with the Lord and spend time with him and say, God, am I really just going through a routine? Am I missing something here? What is it? Is there, is there something that I'm missing? Is there a calling? Is there a new perspective I need to get from you? What Can I recreate my life in some way that gives it a new trajectory that's more uh, perfectly in tune with your perfect will, God? I believe that God has a passion project for each one of us. There's something that he's calling you to that only you can do. And I'm challenging you to get away with the Lord and discover what that is. This is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com with Deep Virtue number 82. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at DeepAdventure.com. Back to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak. Suffering in paradise for you. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We have with us today uh, the best cow milker that we've ever had on our show. Uh, I don't know what Jason Craig, if that's the way he wanted to be labeled when we came on. We know he has a master's degree in theology. He stepped out of the box a long time ago and abandoned himself to the adventure of God's will. And he leads a, an organization that's growing and growing with new, new chapters springing up all over called Fraternus, where uh, men uh, help uh, lead, guide uh, younger young men into uh, their virtues and into a deeper walk with God. And we've been talking with... Uh, Jason, about his conversion, his initial conversion experience as a young adult, and um, and uh, then something very bizarre happened. That happened uh, in the Protestant world. You know, we love our Protestant brothers and sisters, but then what in the world caused you to become a Catholic? I mean, what what was that all about? <laughs> well, uh, I tried to initially show someone the absurdity of the Catholic faith, and it did not work out for me very well. Uh, so here I am. <laughs> well, get a little bit um, deeper with that, yeah. Well, we, my wife and I, again, we both were not raised in, in any sort of... In fact, my wife's family, they're, they're atheists, uh, extremely secular and very opposed uh, to religion and in general. And, uh, and both of us became Christians through Young Life and were involved in very vibrant um, evangelical outreach in our presence. That's one, you know, in the evangelical world, uh, the core identities that were bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. But I kept discovering that once we got past this initial uh, 
telling someone about Jesus and having them pray and trying to go to conversion experience, we um, really differed hugely on our um, our beliefs. And I, I recall, you know, a couple kind of moments of crisis where, for example, my my I, my own church, which is one of these like really cool hip. Um, non-denominational, so-called, um, you know, meeting in a school, just vibrant, young Protestant church. And there was a disagreement amongst the leadership and the elders and the pastors about whether or not you should baptize infants. Um, and it wasn't big. There was no schism, but it was just, yeah, they kind of agreed to disagree. And, the, and this just was a, kind of a constant thing. And, and as I read the scriptures, um, it just, the unity of faith is such an important thing was so important, and um, we, we didn't have that. So one day a Catholic came up, and they just claimed the idea that sola scriptura, our, you know, the Protestant doctrine of the Bible is our only authority, that maybe that was very wrong. And then I went, and I went, actually, I went out to Oregon. I was doing an internship for horticulture. I have a degree in horticulture before, and I was doing an internship out there, and I was living with some Mormons. And we were in a debate about, of all things, the divinity of Christ. And he said, well, listen, there's only two churches in the, on the planet claiming authority to speak about this matter. It's us and the Catholic Church. Um, and I remember just being—and I grew up in the South. There, there, there was only one Catholic Church in my county. I lived in the biggest county in the state. There was one church, and it was only in Spanish, essentially. It was for the migrant workers out way out in the country. I mean, we, I didn't know any Catholics. To us, Catholic men— that don't go to church anymore. Um, so I hope that's not offensive to anyone. This is just in the South. This is kind of what we knew Catholics to be, because that was their excuse that they would use. They would say, uh, Catholics, I'm not. Anyway, we, uh, he said, it's either us or the Catholics claiming authority. And I, and I remember laughing. that it, that's, It's neither one of you. You guys are both so crazy. Um, but eventually I, I decided, well, listen, there's a lot of confusion. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the early church, like the first Christian, and I'm just going to do what they did. And that's, I sort that, of that was the biggest. Of, that's the biggest mistake you could make. It was a wild mistake. Because the first, you, you know, whenever you start reading the early church fathers, you are, as Augustine would say, you're on the slippery slope. That's right. You know, you got and it, and no coming back from there. There's no coming back from there. Yeah, and. and I had a, actually, I had a family member who was considering becoming Catholic. So I, you know, I, I picked up about the early church, et cetera. And, um, like I said, it was a disaster because they, uh, it, it was so convicting, um, of the truth. And it was so, they, surprising to me, their practice of their faith looked so dissimilar to mine. And it was very Catholic and there were sacraments and there was bishops and there was the Eucharist and, um, there was Peter all these things, and there was authority. This, you know, you have to understand as an evangelical, you yourself are really the primary authority. Every, everyone has a pope. You're your and, own pope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My my pope. You know, and, and and one day I realized, wow, these, you know, for these people, their pope's in Rome, mine's in the mirror, and and what if mine's wrong and theirs is right? And um, so, long story short, I picked up an apologetics book uh, on the communion of saints of all things. Which and I one thought, was well, it? Just, Which one was it? It was, uh, I think, you know, it's been a long time. I think it was Patrick Madrid's Any Friend of Jesus is a Friend of Mine. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I found my way to Rome Sweet Home. And um, as you know, uh, 
Scott Hahn, Run Sweet Home, he was a Young Life leader, so I was able to really understand his story and his language very easily. And uh, I reluctantly became a Catholic. I didn't want to, um, but I, it was true. So I submitted to God, God's will. But um, it, it was a, it was quite a challenge for a variety of reasons. But it started. It, you started on the slippery slope uh, by reading the early church fathers. You know, a lot of people don't know who these people are when we we talk about them. You know, you, starting really around seventy A.D., there's a in the first century. There's a document called the Didache, which was the catechism that was used uh, to teach the early Christians, and it had been lost for centuries, although it had been referenced a lot in other writings. But it was rediscovered in the mid. I think it was the mid eighteen hundreds by a monk. Uh, back in some archived room and um, and we have found that again but you start with uh, with um, you know the early fathers like uh, the third uh, bishop of Rome Clement writing to Corinth and telling him hey you got the same problems Paul had been writing to you about before kind of having that fatherly love for that church Justin Martyr's defense of what the Eucharist is because the Christians were being accused of cannibalism of eating the flesh of someone called Christus and he goes to and he proceeds to describe uh, the practice of the primitive church in that uh, second century. Um, and in there, he describes the epiclesis, the, the actual words used to pray and bless and make the, whole, the, the communion bread and the wine uh, become the body and blood of Jesus. The, you know, the, so there was already in the Didache, you see the, the nature of worship. You, you hear them talking about baptism. You see the nature also of, of um, doctrine. And you know, the primitive church, when you read the writings of the early church fathers, is in fact a, uh, a Catholic church. And uh, earlier you were discussing uh, the issue about the Mormons. The Mormons, of course, fell into that the Arian heresy that was became very strong during the 4th century in which they said that Jesus is the Son of God, but by saying that they meant he was the first created being. He's the, high, he's the, the, the greatest of all created beings, but that he ha- is a created being. Of course, that's heresy. Uh, we believe, all Christians believe, that Jesus is eternally begotten of, of the Father, consubstantial with the Father, and uh, is, is one in being with the Father. So although there are three persons in the Trinity, there is... Uh, they all share in one divine nature. And so when you read the early church fathers, uh, you can't help but realize that the early church beliefs and practices are the same that the Catholic Church believes today. Uh, sola Scriptura was not, is not consistent. Uh, we, uh, we are this, we, uh, believe in the, the, the scriptures, of course, but they need to be interpreted properly. And uh, and so uh, we need an interpreting uh, uh, authority, and that would be, would be the church. And the concept of once saved, always saved is is very novel. Uh, that kind of came into play about five hundred years ago. Um, so there, there's so much uh, that cr- was created in the last five hundred years that would be considered heresy and very novel, especially the denial that the body that the the communion is not the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I mean that would be grounds for excommunication for the first fifteen hundred years of of the church. So all the, so many of the things that have, we're listening to in the last five hundred years are so uh, contrary to what to the way the early church uh, practiced from the very beginning. So once you begin to read the early church fathers, there's books. Books like Christ in the Tiber by Stephen Ray. There's one by Aikens called um, The Fathers Know Best. There's so many great books uh, about the early church fathers. If you're considering at all these types of questions, go on to Amazon, get them. They're, they're, they're very readable and, and full of uh, support and notes uh, from the early fathers. So tell us then, at what point did you make, have your conversion? Well, we, uh, 
like I said, after reading the Church Fathers and sort of having my eyes open through some good Catholic apologetics, I just made the decision, that's it, it's true, I have to become Catholic. And I remember calling my wife, or she was my girlfriend at the time, and thinking that it was going to be the end of our relationship. That's how serious we, we took not being Catholic at times. And uh, it turns out she said, Jason, me too, let's do it together. And within two months, we received four sacraments together, our first confession, confirmation, Holy Eucharist, and Holy Matrimony. And uh, it was just a whirlwind of grace. Well, that, that really is, is fast. And so ever since then, you've been... And how, how long ago was that, by the way? This was about, nine, about 10 years ago, I think, nine years ago. And, and at some point then, uh, God uh, began to call you to work more and more uh, uh, leading young men. Uh, before we take this break, what is the website people can uh, find you at? They can go to fraternusbrothers.org, and that's F-R-A-T-E-R-N-U-S, brothers.org. And are you doing a work uh, calling men into virtue? And by the way, did you know that my, the next book that's coming out, uh, my next book is called Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. And we also do uh, things. We do our deep adventure quests around the country. We take men out of their comfort zone and into adventure. And then we teach them. We go through um, a discussion of the seven virtues. So uh, you and I are so much on the same page. We're talking with Jason Craig. He's the founder of fraternusbrothers.org. Uh, Org, and uh, we'll be right back. We're going to go a little bit deeper with him, talk about some of the ways that you can get involved with his organization and open a chapter in your area. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. Deep Adventure Radio, where the surf is always up. Are people challenging your faith? Do you wish you knew how to explain it better? Well, then tune in to hear Father Mitch Pacwa and his guests setting the record straight on all matters faith and reason. Next time on EWTN Live, only on EWTN. EWTN Live with Father Mitch Pacwa is seen and heard around the world. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. A little over a year ago, we made a promise to provide global coverage of the news from a Catholic point of view. Since then, we've kept that promise. From our ever-growing presence at the White House and on Capitol Hill, to our daily reports at the Vatican, we continue to find stories of faith and hope and cover tragedy and human suffering with empathy and compassion. Tackling the topics others don't. Asking the questions other networks won't. We're with Pope Francis as he travels the world and every step of the way at home. We don't just broadcast the news five nights a week. We deliver the truth. EWTN News Nightly. Watch it every weeknight at 6 Eastern on EWTN. Or listen to an encore broadcast at 9 Eastern right here on EWTN Radio. EWTN News Nightly. Global coverage. Catholic perspective. Deep Adventure Radio. The bold standard in radio. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We have as our co-adventure guide today, Jason Craig of fraternusbrothers.org. Um, so what is it you have against youth groups? I'm actually, actually, I'm just kind of loading, giving you a loaded question. I mean, we all, we all, we all love our youth groups and youth group leaders. I used to be one, but, but there is something to the fact that we, we need to, um, 
kind of add, not either or, but add to that the most powerful impact that you can have, and that's to have parents uh, directly involved with leading their children in a deeper walk with God. So talk to us about right. what in- stimulated uh, the, the Fraternus uh, organization, how people can get involved. Sure. Well, it's kind of wrapped up in, in what you just brought up about youth ministry. Uh, there was a group of us. We won't go into all the individual stories, but we had had similar conversions, and we had also had the passion to reach young people uh, you know, with the gospel, and, and especially young men. And we took up uh, the model, which most youth ministry, even some, oftentimes unknowingly, is taking up the model of Young Life. Uh, Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life, really pioneered what we know as relational ministry. Some people call it incarnational ministry. And it's basically, you know, young people building relationships with um, young people, and, and through those relationships leading people closer to Christ. Um, and it sounds great, but a lot in the Protestant world, what they're learning right now is that in the long run, as a strategy for making sure that the next generation is faithful, it's a, it's a poor strategy. It's not working very well. And most youth ministry presumes that the teenagers they're working with do not know the faith, need initial evangelization and basic catechesis, and they presume that correctly. Um, and what I found in my own, I, I became a youth minister after becoming Catholic, uh, was essentially that, the, the, especially the boys, but the young people that had vibrant family life, most especially the father, were almost always faithful and were almost always inclined towards a lifetime of faith, whereas those who do not have a father figure in their life or a community of father figures, essentially they're, um, statistically, they're not going to be Catholics when they get older. And we know that there's um, extraordinary moments of grace that can bring about those conversions, but in general, especially a young man, if he does not have faithful men and a faithful father in his life, he will not make it through college, statistically, as a Catholic. You know, it's fascinating, too, what I've heard, too, the statistics. So if, if the woman is faithful uh, to her, you know, is devoted, um, maybe about a third of those children uh, will will continue to go to church. But one, if a father's involved, it's more than it's more than double that. I've also heard another statistics where if the if one of the parents is, is devoted and the other isn't, it almost defeats. You know, it'd be better almost. You know what I mean? It's like it, there's such mm-hmm. a con, uh, con, conflict there that it just kind of defeats itself. So what is what is makes fra, fra, fraternus? I'm saying it wrong. I'm sure fraternus. <laughs> what is the model that you have f- for fraternus? Sure. Fraternus, I'll go ahead and correct you now, Fraternus, is uh, basically what we do is we go in and we take a lot of the skills that youth ministry has been learning for the last 40 years or so since it's been around, and we're teaching it to the men of the parish, and we're saying, look, you know what, this is not the job of any youth minister, this is not the job of any professional to teach your kids the basics of the faith and to form them in a life of virtue. This job uh, this is very clear in Scripture. It's very clear in every drop of revelation we have. It's very clear in philosophy and theology and in experience. It's your job. So here's what we'll do. We will provide you a framework. We'll provide you some curriculum. We'll walk you through the seven virtues. And, Barry, you and I have to talk about this more, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but these are the virtues you have to teach your boys. So one generation of men has to pass it on to the next. And listen, if there are boys in your parish... It is your job to be a father to them. So here's how you can do it. And fraternity is essentially a framework to make sure that those things happen. Because if they don't happen, we have a disaster on our hands, which is why the fastest group of uh, demographic leaving the church right now is young men. 
You know, there's a scripture verse, it's, I forget, um, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it says, teach your children while you're on the way with them. Like while you're by the, on the water side or you, wherever you are, teach them while you're on the way with them. Um, walk and talks, you know, with your children. Yeah. There's always uh, teachable yeah. moments. But you first have to be yourself uh, evangelized. You still yourself need to be catechized. You need to have, have a sense of what it is you, you, you need to impart to them in the very, very short time that you have your children with you. Absolutely. And what's amazing is, is anyone who's a father of boys, been around young boys, it, it, boys imitate they're, they're growing up, and, you know, right now my sons are cowboys, firemen, uh, and farmers, and soldiers. And that's because they have seen each one of those. My neighbor actually is a rodeo rider. I don't know what the technical term is, but he ropes calves and rides horses. And he happens to be a very faithful Christian man. So my son, I'm very happy for him to imitate, because for him he has an image of what a faithful man can look like. Most Catholic boys are growing up, and the context of the faith is largely disassociated with everyday life. And, and then we have the other problem that most catechetics happens in an, in an environment ran by, planned by, and taught by females. And that's, I'm not opposed to females. I married one. But my point is that women cannot bestow masculinity on boys, and they cannot provide them with an example of masculinity. So those boys are looking to imitate, and as they reach adolescence, if they don't have an image in their mind of what a faithful Catholic man looks like in his everyday walk of life, then we cannot blame him for thinking that masculinity does not equal faithful Catholic, because the world is proposing all sorts of images of masculinity very consistently. I mean, you look at the Axe commercials, you look at movies, I mean, it's, there, there's a constant image of masculinity being put forth. So we as Catholic men, why are we surprised that our boys are not becoming virtuous men when we're not putting forward uh, intentionally what that example looks like? And in, even worse, we're allowing the world to completely eclipse any image of what it means to be a man of faith and a man of virtue. You know, when, when at, at the, at the in second chapter of Acts, it talks about the Pentecost. And as I recall, what fell on their heads wasn't uh, a curriculum. <laughs> it wasn't uh, shut up, do nothing, listen, take notes, and regurgitate. It right. was tongues of fire. And young men, uh, I guess you could say your relationship with Jesus is caught, not taught. And right. so you, we, need to, we need to be evangelized ourselves. We only have a few moments left. What can, uh, what can people do who want to get in, get, you know, help start a chapter like this in their local parish? Sure. Well, first, just get in touch with us. You can go to fraternus.net or fraternusbrothers.org. Just get in touch with us. But first of all, listen, if you are a man in the community, you're a father. And we live in an increasingly fatherless world. Whether you're looking at the book of Proverbs, whether you're looking at Christ himself, whether you're looking at St. Paul, the relationship between uh, someone who is a disciple and someone who is a teacher, or one generation to the next generation, is father and son. Read the book of Proverbs. It's, this is a father who's giving wisdom to his son. What do we call our priests? We call them father. You men have to recover your identity as fathers and intentionally teach your sons. It will not happen by accident. And in a world that's fatherless, you, you, who else besides you is called to reveal the fullness of God the Father's love through his son, Jesus Christ, in a Catholic man? I cannot believe that this is not the main uh, flag that we as Catholic men are flying right now. But we have to raise up. We have to realize who we are, and we have to be fathers in our generation. If you're interested in starting a chapter, give us a call. We will give you a framework. But if you're not going to start a fraternity, you still have to start today being a father in your community. Go well, we, find a boy and mentor him. Well, Jason, we've got to get going. I, know, I remember Jesus was a carpenter. I wonder where he learned that from. 
you know, you, 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 it's uh, caught, not taught. But we're, we've been talking with Jason Craig, the founder of uh, frat, frat, Fraternist. We're going to go fraternistbrothers.org. Org. And uh, this is Bear Wozniak. I'm your Deep Adventure Guide. We'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha, Jason. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Surf's up. Real and radical ways to live your faith. Hi, this is Father Mark Goring from uh, Houston, Texas, Catholic Charismatic Center. A few years ago as a priest, I kind of got to a place where I felt I needed to uh, to kind of push the limits in my life a little more. So I got this idea that I would build a raft and put it on a secluded lake deep in the woods. This is up in Canada. I'm Canadian, eh? And, uh, and just sit on the raft. My plan was to sit on this raft for eight days and just basically see what would happen, you know. And not so much on the outside, but inside in my soul. And uh, it was a great experience of growing in self-knowledge, but also an experience of just allowing God to look at me, to come under His gaze and the truth is, is that we have a God who made us for eternity. And each one of us as children of God, you know, we have this, this potential, this great, almost uh, fearful, where we've been fearfully made, something terribly great about us. And it's just so easy to lose sight of that, to go through life um, in a monotonous way, to, to, to live a life of mediocrity and never really discover our, our true power, our true potential, our true identity. And so I encourage you, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, if you haven't done this lately or for a while, take some time out, be alone, and let God look at you. You'll be amazed what happens. So this has been Father Mark Goring from the Catholic Charismatic Center in Houston, Texas, with this week's episode of Surf Stuff. Surf's up. Go deep or go home. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure. Uh, we want to invite you guys, please go to our website and sign up for the Renegade Rosary Run. There's one day left of it on Sunday the 17th. You can still participate. One day is gone. There's one day left. We're inviting people all over, all over the world uh, to do this by yourself or get a few people together and to do a 5K of something. You can run. You can walk. We have one person that was hang gliding. I'm going to be stand-up paddle surfing for 5K. Another group of people is snowmobiling into the woods and then building a bonfire and praying the rosary together. There's so many things you can do um, to participate, but we want to go into real battle with our with our fellow uh, Ohana, our fellow renegades here that love the, uh, this ministry. We want to go into deep intercessory prayer by praying the rosary through three times. And also, uh, we can use this to raise funds for our crisis pregnancy center. So if you go to our website, deepadventure.com, and click on events, you can sign up for the Renegade Rosary Run. Let us know what you're up to and become part of the Ohana. This is a chance for us to come together and kind of like have that sense of being part of the same tribe. Uh, um, you know, Christians have always been countercultural. Christians have always been the renegades in the midst. If that weren't so, there wouldn't have been 75 million martyrs so far since the birth of the church. And so let's go countercultural. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's become renegades. Let's uh, go against the tide and make a difference with, by joining together in prayer. Uh, go to deepadventure.com and join us. Until next week, I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. May the breath of the Holy Spirit aloha you. Aloha. 
This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio.